Hey, y'all, how are we doing? Shout out to Bear Nation for tuning in for another episode of The Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship, a podcast for the entrepreneur-minded, created by entrepreneurs, discussing the real stories that give you the tools to overcome challenges and stay true to your real self. As always, I want to give a shout out to our partners over at Finn. Finn is a social good platform that creates employee engagement and builds culture. We've teamed up with Finn to give back to the communities that we serve. For every episode, we will be donating $10 to the cause of choosing by our guest in the Finn platform. Enjoy today's episode. How are we doing, Bear Nation? We are back again for another episode of the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship podcast. And I know I say this every episode, but I'm excited about our guest. And I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but I get fucking excited talking to really cool people. So I am excited for today's guest. I have the CEO and Managing Director of Newman New York, who also happens to be a good friend of mine, Francis Simowitz. And Francis is an expert at launching startups in New York City. And as the Managing Director of Newman New York, she has worked with tons of startups over the years. She's got over 10 years experience in this startup ecosystem. She's helped establish and grow operations in multiple cities such as Boston, Chicago, D.C., and New York for startups like um, Center City, Startup Institute, now Numa New York. She's worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs, established one of the largest and greatest entrepreneurial communities in New York City uh, through Hacker Nest. And has also, she also serves on the advisory board of Tech Day, which is a really cool event that goes on. And she's also kind of a badass who's spoken on global stages um, at places like Web Summit, just to name a few, um, <laughs> and private group uh, events that I was not even invited to. Um, so that's why I'm excited to bring Frances in. Not only is she an entrepreneur herself, she works with so many entrepreneurs and We've known each other for a while. So, Francis, say hi to Bear Nation. Hi, Bear Nation. Hi, Bear Nation. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much me, Rob. I'm super excited to, to be here and chatting with, with you. Obviously, Obviously, I love you as a human being. And so getting to talk about my favorite topic with you, what could be better? Exactly. And, you know, as as um, some may know, some may not, I've, when did I meet you and start working with you? 20, 2018, 17, 18? I think it was around 20, 2018. Yeah. yeah, it has to be 18 because 17 I was in, I moved here and 18 was when I started getting into the ecosystem really after going through, you know, the venture out program that I went through. So I've been coaching at NUMA, um, came in, did a workshop, came back, did a couple more workshops, <laughs> started doing more workshops, started coaching more, started mentoring more. Uh, so I've been around the NUMA family for a while. I was, uh, I mean, we had a blast, so I got to be chosen to go to Web Summit with Numa uh, in a partnership program to to speak while I was there. So, uh, Numa, uh, thank you, Numa. But Francis and I have plenty of stories from uh, traveling abroad and and uh, going to an amazing conference that ended up in our final night. Remember that little pub oh where God. we just started singing? I mean, it was Francis amazing. Also, it was magical. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Francis also loves to sing, and she's. She's an improv. She does improv, by the way. So for those who don't know her, like she has like some of the most amazing skills: singer, improv, acting. Um, so we had this group, uh, probably ten of us from the ecosystem. I, so the first night there, I was out by myself, walking the streets, was about to get some food, and I heard this voice. 
this beautiful, <laughs> strong male voice singing some amazing music, walked in, had an amazing meal, great wine, and knew I had to go back, so I brought everybody. They closed at like one or two. We stayed till like three or four. They let us pull the guitars off the wall. We were singing. We yep. were dancing. We were having a great time. Making up songs uh, impromptu. Such yeah. good wine. That wine that was there that was like in that cask that they yeah. made in the farm down the road was absolutely yeah. out of this world. Yeah, it was this. Yeah, it was in Lisbon. It was just outside of the city. Some farmer. And it was literally in this like wooden barrel cask thing. It was like farm to table wine in the most purest <laughs> form. And I mean, we drank so much of it. I, I, I can't even imagine how many bottles that would have been if we actually poured it out into bottles. Because it was, we were there all night, folks. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I know we could talk about a million stories, but we're here to talk about entrepreneurship, which is something we both love. So let's talk about your journey. Where did your entrepreneurial journey start? Because I know that you've been working in this ecosystem for a long time. So let's start from like, where did, how did you get involved in this entrepreneurship ecosystem or even think about being an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think, um, so I don't have a typical journey. Uh, I actually, so I studied music education and opera in school, hence the singing, um, and had never really expected to find my way into entrepreneurship. It wasn't something that like I grew up wanting. In fact, I have a vivid memory, Rob, of being in the fourth grade and it was career day and they had a bunch of people coming in and talking about different careers and I have a distinct visceral memory of them talking about entrepreneurship as a career path and I remember thinking to myself as in fourth grade I would never want to do that like that sounds like <laughs> so much responsibility and terrifying and like I it it never, I never in my dreams would I think that I would have ended up here. I mean, I wanted to be a singer. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. And I, after college, I kind of had fallen out of love with music because, um, you know, when you are young and you're doing choir, it's very community based, right? Like you're mm -hmm. making something beautiful with other people in a collaborative sort of way. Mm -hmm. And as you progress in a music career, really kind of where the dreams lie is in solo careers as an opera singer. Mm -hmm. And I hated it because I hated the mentality and the people. It was the idea that someone else's success means your failure. And there was a lot of ego and just like stuff that I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't connect to this. And so I fell mm -hmm. out of love with like that aspect of music and spent a couple of years being lost, <laughs> honestly, mm -hmm. after college. I, and then I had this moment where I was nannying on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and the kids were playing on the playground and I had this moment where I was like, wait a minute, I'm like limiting myself. I can do whatever I want. Like the world's a playground and I'm finally big enough to play on the big kids' slides and I can reinvent <laughs> myself and my dreams. So mm -hmm. my, my ex-husband at the time um, was working for a startup. Uh, he was a software developer and he loved his job um, and I, he worked at a startup and I loved like meeting them or going out for drinks with his colleagues and how passionate they were about the work, how collaborative it was, how much fun it was. And so mm -hmm. I started to have this inkling that like I would maybe want to work in startups. Um, and I had started to network through his contacts to see if I could get a job. But my background was in, I was a music teacher and a nanny. Like I was not <laughs> qualified for anything related to business. I had this um, interview with this company called Storybird, which I really wanted to work for. It was super cool. 
they just took it as a favor, the call with me as a favor to their investors. And I, I followed up with him like tenaciously for him to have this interview with me. He interviewed me and he was like, you're so tenacious. And he was like, I really like your energy, but I don't know if you can do the job. Um, and so I found my way to thinking about reskilling myself and, and finding a new path for education um, that might be a bit more flexible and was looking at options for, you know, do I go back to grad school and pay a bunch of money, which scared me because I was like, I just did that for my undergrad and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not using that degree. Um, so what if I go back to school and I hate it? Um, and I discovered this boot camp, or my ex-husband did. He was at like a conference and saw Startup Institute, which I then later on went to work for. And I actually have their logo tattooed to my body because I'm a crazy person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have like all my logos tattooed to my body. Like I literally, my resume is on my left arm <laughs> like a crazy person. Um, and it. And he was like, maybe you'd want to do this one day. And I looked through their, their course materials and, you know, the idea was actually built on the same model of acceleration as Techstars because it was founded by the managing directors of Techstars Boston. So that was like my first foray into the world of accelerators and of entrepreneurship. And I said to my, my ex-husband, I was like, no, I want to do this right now. Like, let's figure out how I can quit my job so that I could go to this program. You know, which at the time, um, you know, the boot camp at that point was only $4,000. And so like mm. it felt you know, in eight weeks long. So it felt much lower risk than going to school forever. So if I hated it, I could do something yeah. else. And it was one of the most important things I've ever done in my life, um, which is why it's tattooed to my body. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, part of Bear Nation, we love nonlinear career paths, right? Um, most people on the show, myself included, thought I was going to do something else. And fell into entrepreneurship. And honestly, I had I, my, I heard my first startup. The first startup I heard about was Douala because at the time I was living in Iowa. Ashton Kusher, um, you know, invested in it. It was you know the cool. biggest thing to come out of startup uh, from startup from Iowa as a startup uh, that I could remember. And it was like the coolest thing since sliced bread. And I was like the first like oh startups. There's this whole world. <laughs> and I was kind of like okay, cool, whatever. Like this is interesting, but like. You know, I have my career career path, and then I went off, chased you know my wife Christine to Italy and got a master's degree, and then got reached out to on Twitter by this weird like guy who's like, "Hey, I have a company. I play for one of your you know competitor teams. We should meet." We met, and I started working for him, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm working for a true startup." And then I helped <laughs> it grow, and then I came through a program, and you know went through an accelerator. So, so I get it. We love the nonlinear career paths, and. You know, you, you kind of made this point about thought I wanted to be a singer and it didn't really work out because your success meant somebody else's failure and you fell out of love. You know, when when you have something that you're so passionate about, you spent so many years of your life growing up to love and be and think that's what you want to do. What was that feeling like when you fell out of love with that? I mean, obviously that feeling of feeling out of love, I mean, what how did you process that? You talked about like your husband, ex-husband at the time and the opportunity to, to kind of fall in startups, which was the healing process. But like what, when you sat there and had to think about it, what was that processing like? Yeah, it was, a, it's a grieving process, honestly. Like I remember growing up feeling like I was so lucky that because I knew what I wanted to do. I already had mm -hmm. my path figured out. And then suddenly I was lost like everybody else. And there's, a lot of feelings that go into that. Um, there was a lot of shame. Like my grandparents, you know, really wanted to see me on Broadway and they supported my music career and they 
took me to piano lessons and I paid for my voice lessons and I felt like I was letting them down and disappointing them. Still, sometimes they're like, I don't know what you do. Why aren't you on Broadway? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was hard. It was, it was sad. To, and but like, it, it's an opportunity then to reinvent yourself and to like rethink through your life and what you want. But it, it was hard and feeling like I didn't have direction or path or like I wasn't good enough. Like I, you know, what if I mm-hmm. never amounted to anything or had an impact on the world? So there was a lot of like hard feelings in yep. that process of rediscovery um, to like what I would actually want to do. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of important because as teens and 20 somethings, we're taught you go to school, you go to school for something, you pick a career, you get a degree and then you go work in it. And it's like, you feel stuck, but you don't have to be fucking stuck. No. It's okay. If you fall out of love with something, right. It is going to be a grieving process as, as Francis just said, but you know, for those listening, as you think about your career, it doesn't have to be what you expected it. It could be so much more, something so different. And I was just thinking about this because you grew up with your grandparents in Buffalo or in New York City or no, I was in Long Island. Long um, Island. But yeah, I grew up with my grandparents because, uh, like, my mom had a baby at eighteen, uh, and so I was with my grandparents. And my mom till I was about seven. Okay. Well, I, I couldn't remember because I think it was your. Is Daniel that lives family up in Buffalo? He's in Buffalo, okay. yeah. <laughs> so I know it's one one eighty two or Buffalo, one eighty two or Long Island. Yeah. Um, but it, what's funny is that Francis and I actually found that we had a lot more in common than we ever thought. In fact, that Francis originally family in Missouri uh, as well. Yeah, I have family in uh, so Francis and I share share kind of a Missouri connection. And and you know when you, when you hear her story and you hear about this passion and this growth and you know her grandparents taking her to lessons and and this kind of pain and and almost disappointment for everybody else but yourself. Right. Mm. And, and it kind of, you kind of start thinking about that. And a lot of us feel that way that we, we stick to paths because we think it's what people want us to do, not what we want to do. So getting yeah. back to your story, right. You went through startup, this startup bootcamp thing. And you're like, I want to do this. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did you get into startup into like, how did you work your way into that to like, this is from, I'm going to take this bootcamp low risk, high reward. I mean, I went and got a master's in Italy because it's an That's eighth. Cool. Yeah, well, one, it was cool. Two, it's like <laughs> one eighth the cost of getting it here. And three, I got to go coach American football and live there. Uh, but again, <laughs> l- lower risk, higher reward, right? Even if I didn't learn something, I was going to be living in a new country. I was going to learn so much, yes. right? So I love like, hey, this low risk, high reward opportunity. I want to do this now. So yeah. tell me about that process. Like, uh, I, I need to understand what, where this key turn for you that clicked into what will happen when we talk about NUMA? Yeah, I wanted it so bad. Um, I remember I applied and they scheduled, they wanted to schedule my interview, but I worked like a 14 hour day nannying because like I would take the hour, the train two hours into the city every day to nanny on the Upper West and two hours back to Long Island every night. And it was a long day. And so like, I was so happy when they had answered my application and they were willing to do like a very late, like 8 p.m. interview with me and I like ran home I put on a blazer for my interview I went through two rounds I got accepted it was like one of the happiest days of my life um I was so excited and I I started this program and it I met so many people because it basically the idea like very similar to an accelerator is that people that are teaching you in the curriculum people that actually operate using those skills every day so like I did the marketing track um I actually don't like marketing I'm a salesperson but I didn't know that then um but you're learning from people like the person that taught me how to do google analytics 
worked on the internal Google Analytics for Google. So like mm-hmm. they're an expert in that skill set. So at the same time that you're learning skills, you're also um, building network and building connections. And that was the most important part about it. And learning how to leverage your network and make asks and go on coffee meetings so that you can find opportunities. I took two unpaid internships during that period of time as well so where I could start to actually build out and practice my skills. They had um, they put us also in partner project groups and partnered us with other startups um, across skill sets because they had a development track, design, marketing, and sales. And we all collaborated together to make an impact on an actual business. And I just loved how creative it could be and collaborative. And it reminded me of the reasons I fell in love with music in the first place, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't music. And so I, I graduated, it was eight weeks long. I walked away with a ton of friends, many of which are still like my best friends and core people today um, that are still my network and are still yeah. supporting. Um, and I then started the job hunt and it was brutal. I had probably about a hundred first round interviews. Like I got still so many no's <laughs> along the way. Um, until I got my first job at, um, Sitter City. So Sitter City had been actually when I was nannying, um, babysitting, I got all my jobs off of their platform yeah. and they wanted to start a new on-demand babysitting service. And it was sort of like the innovation inside of their startup. Um, and so I opened up their New York office, later um, launched their service in also um, Boston and DC. And uh, it was a really great experience. I loved being able to work with the team and kind of get my hands dirty. And then I had the opportunity uh, to join the team at Startup Institute. And that was like so amazing. That's actually where I met John Lynn, one of your other previous guests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he and I worked there together. Um, but got to actually work with students and help other people change their lives and their career in the mm-hmm. same way that I had the opportunity to do so. I love that. And, you know, it's interesting, right? Because we think about the job market today and especially now and as we're recording this in, in, in July, this will probably be out in August 2021. Uh, we're in one of the hottest job markets we've had in a long time post pandemic. Things are opening back up. Uh, the future of work has changed yeah. and uh, all these opportunities, right? It's a candidate driven market. You know, you and I both worked in this recruitment admissions space. We understand these things, but even back then you go through all these jobs because you're reinventing yourself. You know, what was it that kept you motivated to say, you know what? Cause I could, you could easily fall back and done something else that you knew how to do. I mean, in my life, I've done this twice. I went and chased something different didn't like it, fell back into recruitment because I knew I could do well at it and make money. And it ended up getting me fired because that's not what I was passionate about. So how did you stay driven to finding the right opportunity to following your entrepreneurial heart into working in the startup space? Oh, probably not wanting to be a total complete failure and disappointment in life. (laughs) Like, honestly, like it's, um, I don't know. I I have, I get like doggedly passionate about stuff. I mean, I was like that with music. And I remember when I lost music, I like really wanted something to sink in my teeth into. I found a lot of value and meaning in providing value um, Mm -hmm. and having something meaningful to work towards and to always have goalposts. I like to have something that I'm working towards and achieving. Otherwise I feel like I'm dying. It's like a shark. Like it doesn't keep swimming. It's dead. So I think that's kind of, that and like I loved the space and I loved the community and I loved like a lot of startups have really cool missions and they're 
like I want to curse. Like they're fucking doing cool shit that are, yeah. and they're innovating in so many spaces. There's like music tech. There are people that are doing like amazing things within sustainability. They're going to change the world. There's like SpaceX that's trying to figure out how to get us to Mars when like the sun eats the earth one day and we can't live yeah. on the earth no more or until we kill it first, which is probably what's going to happen. But yeah. you know, like, and I one just like, love the space so much. And I just wanted to, I, I was determined to be a part of it. Yeah. So really interesting po point here because we talk about, you know, startups and, and um, I think, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot about is how everyone has this um, hue of startups that they're all Uber or Airbnb, <laughs> uh, that they're a great idea. They share it with somebody, they get millions of dollars of funding and they can go scale. And that's not how any of this fucking works. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and who better to talk about this? So, at Startup Institute, got to do that for a few years. You grew to the Associate Director of Missions. NUMA came calling, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, because I want to really get into like this entrepreneurship thing. So I remember that, but to do that, I need to, I need to tell people, we need to get people to understand what NUMA is. So yeah. you got into NUMA and it's really kind of cool because she kind of scaled really quickly at NUMA. So tell me a little bit, how did NUMA find you? How did you find NUMA? Yeah. And you had this quick transition. You were there for about, 12 months to 18 months before you had the opportunity to, to step up and take over. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, that was obviously like a really cool, quick thing that just popped for you, yeah. um, which has led this last two years of what we're going to talk about with entrepreneurship and acceleration. So tell me your yeah, quick story here. It was quick growth. Um, it's funny because I always tell people that they should focus on their strengths instead of their weaknesses. Like people always think that they should round out their weaknesses. But when you find something that you're good at and that you love and that pays you, you're going to like advance in it very fast. Like even when I was at Startup Institute, like a lot of my other, the other students when I was a student were much younger. They were in their early 20s and I was, you know, already in my, my mid to late 20s at that point. And I felt like I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be so much more behind all of these people in terms of my, my career path. And and I wasn't because I found the right fit for something that I was good at and I was passionate about. And that allowed me to position myself for opportunities to grow really rapidly. And so, like, I always tell people to choose opportunity over money at first and position yourself for growth. Um, like. I, <laughs> we, have not, we have not heard that quote, Bear Nation, opportunity over money every day. I, I've been saying that for years, but I use that in almost every episode. So I, I have to little, give a little raise up for that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, and like, so actually at the time I had three job offers. I got like, it was cool too, because I had gone from having to like struggle to get job opportunities mm -hmm. to because I built a network. And this is like also a really important tip, just like build relationships, always be building network, always, 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 because that's where opportunities come from is from relationships. And so I no longer had to like, apply cold to things. People were pinging me because they knew I was on the search. Um, and so NUMA was opening up their New York office. And um, for me, it was a really exciting opportunity because it was to join, like to get to build a program from scratch. Like I had been working for Startup Institute, which was an existing program, already had network. I got to see how it operated. I got to be a part of that, work with the students, um, which were entrepreneurial. They weren't necessarily entrepreneurs. And the idea of being able to actually build a program from scratch and like figure out the value proposition and identify like the right business model in relation to it and build the network and community around it um, was so exciting. And I actually I had three job offers and I picked the one that had the lowest title and the lowest pay at the time. Like I could have been making forty thousand dollars more than what Numa start what I started with at Numa. Yeah. Um, 
because I, I was like, this is what where I get to grow. And I did, <laughs> um, which was fortunate. And so within six months, um, I went from program manager to program director. We were a team of three originally. Um, and then right before about two years, um, I took over as the CEO and managing director of the office when the previous one, who I love, um, Aviva, went back to France. So mm -hmm. and then I've gotten to run the activities and operations since then. And so I want to back up here because there's three big lessons that you shared all in that, that short string of, of this story that have been consistent, persistent messages of this podcast. One, chase opportunity, not money. We talk about it all the time, right? Especially millennials and Gen Z. When you're thinking about entrepreneurship, follow your heart, take the, take the lead, take opportunity. One of the things that took me a long time to do that, to make that full jump. Mm. And it, it took me getting fired to be like, wow, you, there's no other choice. Why are you hiding from it? And, you know, I say this all the time. And John said this on an episode earlier, which we talked about you, is that lean into, lean into fear because it's through fear yes. that growth happens. And, and you know, you coned to him early that um, – have the hard conversations. It's in the hard conversations that learning really happens, right? Yeah. In, in leadership and, and especially in entrepreneurship. So that was the first one, opportunity, not money. Second one, and for those that are part of Bear Nation know this, I have a book coming out called The Social Soul, how to master your personal professional brand with intentionality and authenticity. The key to that book and what that's all about is how you do and build intentionally authentic network of you heard anything that she just said, always be building community, always building network. Let people know your fucking intentions because when they know your intentions, things come back to you in tenfold. Going from grinding out hundreds of no's to three job offers at the same time because people are wanting to talk to you because they know your intention. They know your skill. You authentically and intentionally brought people into your community, into your network. That makes sense. So value added networks is point two. And a point yeah. that seems counterintuitive to all the self-help books, focus on strengths, not your weaknesses. There's a time and a place to focus on weaknesses, right? We have to upskill and get better. Yeah. When we think about business and think about growth, where do we make the biggest impact, right? And how do we use that to grow and leverage? And then as you continue to grow, you work on your weaknesses, but you don't always have to, right? And one of the books that have changed my life as an entrepreneur is Who Not How. Hmm. right? By Dan Sullivan, the formula to achieve bigger goals through accelerating teamwork, right? Ah. And this is a perfect transition into acceleration here. Um, yeah. But this is all about, you don't need to teach yourself how to do everything. Bring the people in that know how to do it better than you. The yeah. strength of a leader is your ability to bring talent around you and create something bigger. The, the, the sum total should be bigger than the pieces, right? It's a bigger calling and, and you can't do that all yourself. That's not you said, hey, you went to do marketing. You and I have talked. Marketing is not your strong suit. No. Selling it is. is not. <laughs> selling is. Training is. Recruiting is. Bringing talent in. Talent. It, talent. Right? And and those are things that I think. So, th so those are three big lessons that you shared in your story of NUMA. And these are lessons that entrepreneurs need to know. And so to kind of loop this back all together is we think of entrepreneurship as like this big shining moment, but it's not. And there's a, there's a million amazing companies that are going to innovate and change the world. They're never going to be unicorns. They may be yeah. multi-million dollar companies. 
Yep. But guess what? That's awesome. We, not everyone has to be a unicorn. Yes, that's what we strive to be. But impact, opportunity, creating something that helps others is, is so important. So I want to talk about acceleration, right? It's, it's a word that we use a lot. And yeah. for those that haven't heard, go back and listen to John Lynn's episode. We talk about acceleration in that episode too. But talk to me about what do you do to accelerate startups? So NUMA is an accelerator. NUMA, Numa brings in countries from all, companies from all around the world to help accelerate growth in the U.S. market. How? What does that mean? What does it mean yeah. to accelerate growth? Yeah, so this is actually a thing John Lynn talks a lot about as well. And I don't know if he mentioned this on his talk, but like there, there's a combination like accelerators have a start and end date. Typically, they should be cohort based. So you should have other members and peers that are going through the same experience at the same time, because that breeds collaboration. It breeds um, finding other opportunities. It's another connecting point. Like you are going through this period of time in this journey with others that are in the same position as you. Mm -hmm. um, there are aspects of curriculum. So there's educational components of things mm -hmm. that you need to know or don't might not know about the business. And they're usually taught in an accelerator by people that are actual experts. So like, mm -hmm. Rob, you're one of our you for a long time, you're one of our best sales experts. <laughs> like you've also done stuff on recruitment and go to market strategy with our teams. And like, you know, it's people that actually have this experience and knowledge mm -hmm. um, that you might not have. And then the biggest and most important aspect of accelerators is the network and the community and the connections. Because that, as we mentioned before, like whether you're looking for a career or whether it's your business or whatever it is that you're trying to do, your network is one of your most important assets. And so giving them a network in the U.S. to drive mm -hmm. business opportunities forward and knowledge is so, so critical. Um, and so those are like the key components of how accelerators work and how our model works as well for entrepreneurs. I love this thing about network so much. And, um, you know, one of the things that I found super fulfilling about the NUMA community, in fact, you know, pat myself on the back, those that are listening, you can't see it. But um, <laughs> in the latest cohort that, that recently happened, I actually didn't do a single session. And what's cool is that three people I introduced to NUMA did those sessions. And what I, what I love about that is that I am an expert at certain things and I'm always upskilling, but there's also so many amazing people out there that startups, these accelerators need to hear from different perspectives and different places and different people doing at different things because they're different stages, right? When you think of startups, yeah. we're looking zero to half mil, right? Zero to a mil, you know, maybe some of the companies you had, maybe, you know, two to 10, you know, we've had a few of those. Yeah, we have some big ones. Yeah. yeah but, uh, <laughs> but, but, we, but majority of them are in that like half mil to I'd say two mils where a lot of those companies come in and they're different segments, different sectors, different parts. And the cool thing about accelerators through the curriculum and through the network is that they have a chance to talk to a guy like Rob who has scaled a business from zero to one, or maybe go talk to a guy like David Weiss, who brings in a very structured approach um, with the Metapec to really help technical founders who need to do sales and, and really put process together. And that's what I, I love about this accelerator community and so many people don't understand is that they think, oh, I'm gonna go through this accelerator three months and go make a million dollars in business because it's the US market. Doesn't that way. So doesn't. So what do entrepreneurs who are looking to grow and scale in the U.S. market, right? Whether they're from abroad, from the U.S., you're thinking about accelerating and you're thinking about growing your business. What are some of the bare necessities that a company needs to think about before they can really 
look at this accelerator model to hit that like super like because accelerators can help a company do in three months what might take them on their own nine months to 18 months to learn, right? Yeah. So what are the bare necessities to like know if you're ready for this acceleration space? Yeah. I mean, it's also different by accelerator, right? Because like there are early stage accelerators, mm-hmm. there's early stage incubators that are ready for you to take you from, you know, idea stage into your MVP. And so I think, you know, do your research as an entrepreneur as well in terms of like what stage you're at. So it's also like self-awareness of like where you are at um, so that you know, like, okay, what is actually going to be the right fit for me? What are actually my challenges right now? Um, the best the entrepreneurs that I love working with the most, especially even in the interview processes are the ones that even in the interview process, they're not trying to pitch their company and what's great about them. They're coming to me being like, we, we know that we do things, these things well, we know that, but we know that we suck at marketing or we know that we need help with the go to market or like, you know, I don't know everything. We have a company with us right now um, in our current program, um, very successful, like multi time female founder. She's exited other companies before and she's going through our program because they're on a rocket ship. And she's like, and we need help figuring out how to structure out our team and our processes and all of that. And so they're really aware of where they need the support. So then you can tailor that and match that to the right accelerator program, looking at what is their network, like based off of my needs and challenges, can this specific program help me answer these specific goals that I have? And it's probably not going to be like, I'm going to raise $10 million in 10 weeks. That's not realistic. But like, you know, by the end of the program, it can be realistic to have your assets ready to have some introductory conversations already with some investors that could be in your right target for you to understand how to prospect for the right investors, how to approach them and have the right strategy to change the power dynamic. So those are the types of things that you will walk away with. And I think having realistic expectations and also an awareness and doing good research on what accelerators are right fit for you is the most important thing. Cause like we do us market entry for companies that are, you know, around series a sometimes pre series B. Um, and so we work with specific niches that, you know, you, you might not be a fit for, mm-hmm. but you might be a fit for another program. Yep. I love that. And that's the thing is there's a lot of programs out there and they're not a one size fits all. They're, they're a pretty tailored approach. You know, I, I love this self-awareness, right? Most entrepreneurs, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about ego. Yeah. Entrepreneurs need to remove the ego out the door. Look yeah. in the mirror, right? And it's, the second piece that she said, they're not trying to pitch us and what they're good at. They know what they're good at. They need support. Because guess what? We all fucking know the U.S. market's huge. And your market, total addressable market's fucking $2 billion or $4 billion or whatever. We know that. We know the market. Investors know the market. Yeah. You're not going to get it there in two years to get 2%. They don't want to see that. Oh, we're going to be there in four years. No. How? Yeah. How are you going to go get 1% over the next two years? Because 1% is still a multi-million dollar business. Yep. Tell me how the fuck you're going to get to 1% in the next four years. Right? And that's one of the things that I love about the companies that come through NUMA is they understand that. And they work towards that. And there's been a lot of successes out of NUMA. I want to change gears a little bit on you here. The CEO and managing director of NUMA. And I've seen, and I've had the pleasure of watching you speak on different stages. <laughs> I've seen the different panels and things that you get into. What's it like being a female managing director and CEO in the startup space that is very male dominated? And how have you felt about the education piece? Because it's something that you, I know you talk about and you look at when you're bringing in companies through new. And so tell me a little about your experience in this space 
and maybe some things that you think are going to really be changing as we look at 2021 and 2022 with entrepreneurship, because there's organizations out there. There's a stat that um, Alex Badorf, I don't know if you know her, from Get Shit Done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think John introduced me to her. And you first, you know, her. you know, we talk about 50% of entrepreneurs are women. 96% of investment goes to men, male entrepreneurs. Yeah. So tell me a little bit. I mean, you're in this space all the time, much more in it than I am. And you see this and you're speaking on things like this and you're in these conferences. So tell me a little bit what it's like being your journey. Um, yeah. And then what do you see are some things that are really changing in the space for the better? Yeah, I think um, so. As a female entrepreneur, it is definitely different. I don't think that there's a, a lot of managing directors or accelerators are male. Uh, that is a fact. Like it's it's more of a rarity to have females in lead, like leadership positions, which gets me some really great like token speaking opportunities sometimes. Um, but it's also like I, I get to be and I, I have a, a strong philosophy of, and I and I, I try to also create this culture in my team of I really want everyone to be able to be their full selves. So like I don't really feel like I need to change how I operate or what I do or what I'm great at just because I'm a female. Uh, I am really short and I have short blonde hair because the listeners can't see me. And I'm like this little petite thing that wears dresses everywhere and pre pandemic, like always like six inch high heels. So like, I'm very, I don't look like the person that should be in charge of the company. Um, and I've even had times, like we had one of our events one time, it was one of our, our network kickoffs. And there was a guy from another accelerator program that was trying to like compete with the type of work that we do. And they like swarmed our event, which was very strange. And he was speaking to our, um, at the time, our EIR. And he was like, oh, are you going to be speaking later? Assuming that he was the one running it. And he was like, oh, no, no, she is. And I was like, hi, I'm, I'm the managing director. Nice to meet you. So I always like, I mean, it's fun when people, you know, it's unassuming, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm unassuming. Um, but I do, I hire a lot of females. Um, and I, I tend to like we have all our entire team is female leadership um you know julia and shy and like you know i want to continue to promote and support i don't only mean to hire females but i like i, I think it's important to promote and support mm -hmm. more female leadership and as a female leader recognize that talent and and grow it um and you know in the future like as of now, you know, we don't have an investment fund, so we don't directly invest in startups, but that is one of the goals of mine for the future is to raise a fund for the company so that we can invest in entrepreneurs as well. Um, and I think that that's honestly one of the things that needs to change as well is there needs to be more females that are in venture capital and that are making in charge of those investment decisions mm -hmm. because we'll, we'll have, you know, same thing as like, I tend to hire a lot of female leadership on accident. I think that like, you know, they're, they're, that will help break down some of those challenges um, in the space. We have more females in VC. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, and, you know, appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that because that is something that, you know, you get to be in those conversations and you see this. And, and I know that's a big conversation in the space right now, as we look at how do we, how do we help drive talent and entrepreneurship across the board? And how do we help drive? You know, I think, one of the key things that I always talk about when it comes to investment in entrepreneurship, right? And entrepreneurs and, 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 and my opinion is don't take investment unless you need it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of companies that work hard just to get investment because I think that's going to help them scale faster than working towards traction. Yep. Uh, when there's a lot of value in, if you can get the traction to get to a certain point, 
get a small investment, get more traction, and then you can go for a big raise later, or you don't need it because you know when you get investment, you give a part of your company. You no longer yeah. own full full ownership of the company, so you start reporting to others. And so I think it's really important too to ha- helping companies understand what traction means and mm. what are goals for a startup, right? And, and startups throw these goals like. You talked earlier, you're something that always needs a goalpost, right? Something to work towards. Yeah. And I'm sure you see this all the time with these startups. Is, like I said, I want to do $5 million in the next five years. And you look at their business plan, like, wait a second, that's that's unreasonable. You might get to a million in four years, which is a good chunk, or maybe even $3 million in, in two years. But how? Right? Yeah. I think so many entrepreneurs out there, and for those listening, when you think about acceleration, you think about growing your business, you think about what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? How are you going to do it? What is your plan? Because you need to have one, not just, oh, I'm going to go investment. I have a great idea. I'm going to get investment and it's going to work itself out. How are you going to scale? Who do you have? And and it comes back to one of these these key lessons that that Francis talked about. Always be building network. You're building a networking community. You just provide yourself more access to resources, people, opportunity, yeah. conversations to find your how. So as NUMA continues to grow and we look at 2021, the second half and into 2022, you mentioned one of the things you want to do is an investment fund. What can we expect from NUMA moving forward, NUMA New York? What are some of the things on the horizon that you have cooking up um, as you continue um, to build and scale NUMA New York? Yeah, so this is airing in August, right? <laughs> yeah, August. Well, okay. So then the papers will be signed by then. So I will share. Um, so um, we're actually going to be going through a rebrand. Um, mm-hmm. I, myself, and um, who is now our program director, who just got promoted to COO, Julia, are actually purchasing and acquiring the subsidiary NUMA New York from NUMA Paris. Uh, mm-hmm. So at this point probably when you're airing, this will have already been done uh, and going to be able to continue to grow the business in the direction, be able to continue to work with the international entrepreneurs from around the world, do more partnerships with governments um, and ideally raise a fund to be able to invest in these entrepreneurs that are ready to scale into the U.S. that need that extra capital either for, you know, bridge round or for their next, you know, series A or series B. So very excited for the future because now not only was I the CEO, but now I'm taking it to like the next level. I thought I had a feeling, but now I get to continue to grow and build what I love. Uh, That's so exciting. And, you know, I already got little, you know, goosebumps. I've, (laughs) I've, I've, I've luckily known a little bit about this ahead of time, which is why we're teasing it and lucky enough to be, probably one of the first people and one of the first audiences to hear on a larger scale that this will all have been set in stone and released um, as this comes out late. This episode will be out late August. We're shooting now in you know, early July. Uh, but it's so awesome to look forward to and think about what this opportunity provides. So we've been tracking Frances's journey. Entrepreneurship was never what she thought. And in fact, and she has a vivid memory of fourth grade of being afraid of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Wanted to be on Broadway singer, fell out of love with music, fell in love with the startup scene, worked her ass off to go be a part of a startup institute, got her first job launching a new office and then launching three different offices. So entrepreneurial minded for another startup. So taking that on three job offers, took the lowest pay, lowest title for the biggest opportunity. And within two years, CEO and managing director, 
and basically took something that was brand new and helping grow and scale it and now has the opportunity to buy it out, own it all herself, full on entrepreneurship minded to a T, taking full control, live or die by this because the opportunity to grow it and the things that new will be able to do is amazing. And if that's not like just a fucking cool entrepreneurship story, <laughs> because the entrepreneurial journey is ever changing. It, it's as much of a mindset as it is a career. Yeah. And entrepreneurship is impact. And I truly believe that. I mean, that's something that I believe is why the bare necessities of entrepreneurship. So thinking about the bare necessities, we talked about from other entrepreneurs looking at acceleration. What are some of the bare necessities that you're excited about that you're preparing yourself for, for the next stage of the rebrand and taking on this business? What are some of those things that you know that are going to be challenges that you're preparing for today? Yeah. Um, so many. Um, so there's, you know, one of the things that I is really important to me is the team and continuing to build up the team. We're actually hiring right now for a program manager. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things I think that's most important is identifying really great talent to be always building with um, and to be working with the right people. As you mentioned before, need to always have people that round out your skill sets. Like I know yeah. what I'm really good at and I know what, you know, what, what's the tallest tower I'm going to continue to build on top of, but then having the other people on my team that round out that, that are passionate, that are awesome. So like mm-hmm. that's super important in the coming months, the actual transition of the company and figuring out what is our new path forward, the direction, how we're managing everything. Um, we get to do the fun stuff, like new website, new logo, new name that we'll announce at some point, <laughs> probably in September. Mm-hmm. And so building towards all of that, we're also, Right now in a ton of programs, we're running four programs right now simultaneously. And so also right now getting through that period of intense execution so that we can be in build mode again. So it's it's always figuring out how to refocus, how to continue to move forward. Um, Yeah. Many, many challenges. I love it. Well, (laughs) it looks like there's going to be a new tattoo in the near future for that left arm for a new brand, for a new company. Uh, So we can all expect to see that uh, in in the coming yeah, uh, our, our designer, I months. told him, I was like, this logo is going on my body, so it better be good. <laughs> yeah, oh, I feel you. You know, when I built the Rise Up brand logo, uh, uh, you know, Francis and I were talking about this not too long ago. We had a chance to sit down, and I never thought the bear logo was the logo that I was going to go with. I wanted uh, black and yellow and a lion, and I ended up going with the bear and the light blue and the white, and there's the whole story behind my nickname of the grizzly bear. My twin brother got internet famous as the bearded bear being on the sidelines of North Dakota state. My, my grandfather was nicknamed big bear as a coach. And you know, when you build that brand, that logo and that, all that, you know, my biggest thing is, is put you in it. Like this is, this is you, this is the next stage. And this is, this is an all in moment. So be all in, put all in until what that looks like and what that is and, and make it connect with you because it's going to make everyone connect with it. And I think there's so many people out there that are going to be excited to support this venture. And and I love the idea of all the new things that Numa will get to do. Um, yeah. New in New York will get to do uh, moving forward. But yeah, there's a lot of challenges. What scares you the most about this next step? What What is the fear that you're leaning into <sighs> making this leap? Yeah, it's, um, I always knew, like, as I've gone on this journey that I was going to eventually graduate into full entrepreneurship. And I had always figured that, like, 
Numa was going to be my training wheels because I had a lot of accountability and responsibility. I managed the bank account, I managed the PL, I'm in charge of hiring. Like I had a lot of the responsibility mm-hmm. already. Um, and so now it almost feels like the training wheels are coming off, you know, because at the end of the day, I could have still like put in two weeks' notice and like left if I really yeah. wanted to, um, where that's no longer an option. And so I think now that I don't have that safety net there is a thing in the back of your brain that's like i could totally fail and end up on the street in a box like i could totally like fuck this up so there there's you know a new level of responsibility and entrepreneurship is a lot of sleepless nights it's a lot of like at night worrying about my team and their stress load and like a little like spiky ball in the middle of my stomach being afraid Mm -hmm. about like why hasn't this client paid yet and like what happens if you know this project falls through or all of the things. Um, so there's, there's, it's not easy. And I think fourth grade me knew that <laughs> like, yeah. she'd be falling off her chair right now. If she knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, but like it, but it's, it's scary and you have to do it though. You have to lean into it. And like, it, like every day, you know, you're doing things that scare you, that make you uncomfortable, having hard conversations with, with team or with investors or with people like mm-hmm. it's, or with clients, like it's every day there's something scary that I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, as we said earlier, it's leaning into that fear. That's where the growth happens. And, yeah, you know, one of the things I've noticed since I started my entrepreneurial journey with Happy Day Group and, and Rise Up and launching both the businesses is as scary as it is and as nights that I haven't been able to sleep or nights that I just have anxiety each day you get to make the impact that you want. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship. When you build the business and, you know, to all those entrepreneurs out there, you know, you've heard my story multiple times about waiting. You know, Frances just talked about her journey to this and that, you know, fourth grade her would be falling off her chair, but it took from fourth grade her to today to get to where she is to be able to say, you know what? Training wheels are coming off. We're jumping off this ledge and we're going all fucking in. Because if not now, then when, right? Like, opportunities chase opportunity not money opportunities like this don't happen when you have a chance to buy out and own something and take this on so that you can grow it this is it's not something you put time and energy and effort to take this to the next level and i think that's you know such a key amazing lesson that everyone can hear can take away and and also coming back to another key lesson that she shared none of this is possible all these steps in her journey has not been possible without every step along the way building a network and community. And one of the things I can tell you that Frances has done well, and from where I've met her and, you know, I'm feeding into this community and network to do things, to take over things that I used to do because it benefits everybody involved. And Frances is one of the, one of the few people that I know that makes a huge effort to always reach out to that network and just ask, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing a wine o'clock. Hey, we're doing a virtual event and it's not just a few people. It's to the whole network. <laughs> and you know, that seems overwhelming. That can seem expensive, et cetera, but the community is so engaged and I know I'm not the only one, right? You know, I'm, I'm bringing people out. I see this all this happen. And as an entrepreneur, don't we haven't nailed this down even harder. Don't stop being an authentically just fucking awesome human build community and network. Cause that takes you places. Like if you haven't learned anything from Francis, go back and listen to the story again. It's all about relationships. It's all about building network, building community, yeah. building opportunity, chasing opportunity. And that's, you know, for so many young entrepreneurs out there, 
Don't let that fall by. Don't do something because you think you have to or you're going to disappoint somebody else. Do what you want. Follow that passion. And it may come from a place of grief, of falling out of love with something and not knowing what the fuck is next and then finding that passion. And that's, you know, Francis shared that. It's a deep pain that, you know, you don't always say that out loud. And then you think about it, it's kind of it's kind of like, damn, yeah. So I think I think, you know, I'm going to stop there because I think I'll go down a tangent of, of emotion and, <laughs> and, and deepness. But um, those are things that I took away from this episode. And I hope all those out there, you know, Francis, Francis, one of the few people like myself who've worked with hundreds. I mean, I mean, hundreds of entrepreneurs. Francis and I have seen businesses that have scaled. We've seen businesses that we thought would fail that thrived. We've seen business that we thought had it all and didn't. We've been there in the trenches next to them. We've helped them. We've seen them. We've accelerated them. We've scaled them. We've coached them. And so there's no one better to connect with and listen to about entrepreneurship. And someone to pay attention to is, is not only is she going through this journey herself, but she's still taking on this mission to help hundreds more entrepreneurs through partnerships, not only through Accelerator, but through government projects, uh, through different things. You know, I... What I love about being a part of NUMA is I get I get to be asked to be a lot of panels and people that know me know I fucking love to talk, love to talk <laughs> entrepreneurship, love to talk go to market, love to talk sales. And NUMA gives me a great place to do that. And so if you're interested um, about being a part of the community, reach out to Francis, reach out to me, uh, help you get into the NUMA family. Uh, it's a great family and community to be a part of. So as we close this out, I always like to ask a few key questions to everybody. Right. Because it's all about giving back. And, and what should those that are entrepreneurial minded be thinking about? Um, so I ask this in a little bit different uh, order than I normally do. Then I gave it back to you because why not? It's Friday. Okay. I'm feeling it. Um, oh, I love this. What is one book resource or a piece of content that you would recommend uh, entrepreneurial minded uh, folks out there to be reading, consuming or listening to? So. My favorite book on management and leadership is Radical Candor. Um, like I, they talk a lot about like feedback culture, motivating your team, um, and that's like it, it's it's how I operate. Um, and so I also have all of my team typically read that book as well because it's it's like my philosophy on management. And I think I, it's not surprising. I think relationships and people are the most important and my closest relationships are with my team. So mm-hmm. um, those are the most important for, for me to, to cultivate. I, oh, I absolutely love that. And that's a, it's a great book. I recently, um, I've learned about radical candor, but I never read it in totality until recently, partly because I'm doing work for Numa Paris. And that's a big piece of one of the, the, the training programs that I, I led. Uh, so after reading that, it was uh, amazing. And now I get a lot about you. Um, what advice would you give Gen Z or millennial entrepreneurs right now? Um, I would say to really, you know, going back to some of the lessons that I guess I've shared anecdotally through my story, like be uncomfortable, take the leap. Don't be like, do the things that make you afraid. Like you're always going to be scared. <laughs> like it's going to yeah. always be scary. Like there's never moments where I'm not scared taking the next step. I'm scared every time, but you just have to do it anyway. You have to move through the fear. Just like take action, um, you know, build self-awareness, be aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are and try to build on 
those strengths because there are things that you're going to be really great at. And if you build on the tallest tower, you're only going to reach higher heights. Mm-hmm. And then build relationships. Like you really surround yourself with supporters, with network, always be networking. Relationships are the most important asset that you have in terms of finding future opportunities and collaborators. Everyone's a potential collaborator. I love that. I mean, speak and not only build an amazing intentional community, speak your intentions, let people know what you're doing. I mean, when, you know, those out there know I run two businesses, Hap Day Group, Rise Up. Hap Day Group, yeah. we brought on an organization out of Mexico to help support a lot of it, which means I had more free time. And I was thinking, what do I want to do more with the Rise Up brand and some of the stuff. And one of the first people I called was Francis and said, hey, work on some things. I spoke into attention. Two weeks later, Francis emails me, hey, Rob, I'm making two intros. I think there's some opportunity here, which led to two opportunities that I never thought possible, but I knew that there were things I loved. Timing was everything, right? And it just so yeah. happens that, you know, one of the things I did is just, hey, Francis, some of the things I want to be doing, things I'm be working on, hear anything, let me know. Spoke it into attention. And it wasn't even like two weeks. And it was, it was, it was kind of funny because she was going on vacation and she's like, yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> two weeks later, hey, Rob, totally random, but boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right? But that's the power yeah. of network. Power of yep. network. So I love that. Have asks. Like you have to have asks. Don't be 100%. afraid to ask for what you want. Like, and that's something I teach my entrepreneurs when they're pitching. You have to have an ask. You have to h- tell people how to help you. It, no one knows what you need unless you ask for it. Why? And, you know, there's this fear of asking for something. Oh, maybe it looks too big. Who the fuck cares? Have your ask. Who can help me do this? Because guess what? That network will rally. The right people will rally and help. So I love that. Um, and, and you know, there's um, a great lesson from an episode, uh, an earlier episode with Rufus, who was the CEO of StyleMe. Rufus used to work in blue chip companies. And Moa mm. Hennessy, all these things. And he had an opportunity at a, a serial entrepreneur called him like, hey, I need somebody to run this company. And one of his mentors told him, if you're comfortable in your life, sitting on your couch, having your vacations, you're in the wrong place. Mm. And he didn't get into entrepreneurship until way later. And he was like, I had that moment. I was comfortable with my life and I was missing something. And I jumped yep. into it. So I love that lesson. Lean into discomfort. It's, it's a Man, we have some really awesome common themes of entrepreneurship showing up here in the bare necessities. <laughs> um, I think I already know the answer to this. What is your superpower, Francis? Yeah, I would say probably relationship building uh, and identifying really great talent uh, to do the things I'm terrible at. I'm terrible at a lot, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean... I can't, I can't, you know, snap that up, rise that up, raise it up more, more than enough, more than enough, because it, it's something I live by too, right? Building great communities, building value out of networks. And, you know, we talk about that a lot. So when we think about, you know, I shared a lot of these, you know, anecdotal key lessons here, and there's a lot. What is your lasting message that you want to kind of leave our listeners with uh, as we step out of this episode together? Yeah, I'd say having fear, as I mentioned before, is part of the process. Like, you know, as you were mentioning, like, you know, sitting on your couch and being comfortable, 
that's when people are typically the most unhappy is if you're sitting in a place that's super comfortable, like challenge yourself. Entrepreneurship is super hard. It's not always easy. It's sometimes scary. It's not always glamorous. Um, but like it can be incredibly rewarding. Like you get to build stuff that you want to build. You get to find meaning. You get to find opportunities to create value for people to potentially to potentially have the opportunity to change the world. Mm -hmm. And so if you focus on the relationships, the why of what you're building, you're mm -hmm. going to find those opportunities and put yourself in those opportunities to be successful. Mm -hmm. I can't, I mean, I can't, I can't say that better <laughs> myself. I mean, poofta, like hitting all the feels, you know, the whole, I mean, this is the whole journey behind this podcast. Like I, you just hit on it. Entrepreneurship is hard. It's not glamorous. It's a combination of a lot of things. And that to me, it's why I wanted to start, why I wanted to have these deep conversations and share these lessons and messages with people, not so that you can hear how to be successful. Yeah. You'll learn how to be successful listening to the bare necessities because you're going to think, you're going to learn about what does it mean? What are your bare necessities? Self-awareness, relationships, leaning into fear. Those things are what carry an entrepreneur through the hard and the good. Because when things are going yeah, good. Entrepreneurship is a mindset. It is. Because when everything's going good, everybody wants some. They're trying to figure out how to eat off you. When it's just going bad, no one wants to be a part of it. Yeah. Because they don't want to be a part of a sinking ship. Or so they think. But when you have those bare necessities, you have those mindset, you know what you're trying to do. You lean into fear and you make every day count with impact. That's where entrepreneurship happens. That's where impact happens. That's where winning happens. And winning isn't always being a unicorn. Winning is what did you learn? How did you grow? What can you take moving forward? And that's, that's what I find so, so important uh, and, and, and really take away a lot from the conversation we had today because if you hadn't gone through that on grief and through your own formulations yeah. of winning and finding something new, you would never be at the point to be taking over your own business and scaling it to the moon and on a rocket ship. So I love that. So what is your ask for my listeners? Right. You said, I always have an ask. You put that out. So what is your ask? Always you have an forward? ask. <laughs> well, I mean, Obviously, we work with a lot of different entrepreneurs from around the world. And so, you know, if there are entrepreneurs that are looking to expand into the U.S. that you know of, or if you work for a company that does, um, that's great. If you want to mentor, there's always so many ways to get involved with an accelerator. So, like, if you want to get involved with other entrepreneurs, like we have associateships that, you know, are you work with our startups for one program. Um, we're hiring. If you know someone that is excited to work at an accelerator and, you know, you know someone that would like love to dive into this or maybe you. Um, there's always ways to engage mm -hmm. with us. So please reach out, figure out ways to get involved. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we have an amazing community of people and supporters of mentors and just even being involved with accelerators as a mentor is also another great way to grow your network. So connect with me is my ask. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So I will make sure. And how do they connect with you? Where should they find you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can send me an email. I'm at Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S dot S at Numa, N-U-M-A dot C-O. Awesome. So I will link your LinkedIn. I will also drop the email right into the show notes. They can easily click and make that happen. Again, they ask, if you want to be a mentor or get involved in the Accelerator community, reach out. If you're an entrepreneur or a company that wants to scan into the U.S. market and go through an Accelerator program, reach out. 
if you're looking to get involved and want to be an associate or a program manager in Accelerator Community, Numa's hiring. Or if you just want to be a part of a great community of entrepreneurship, connect with Francis, right? Those are the four ways. Those are the four asks. Francis, thank you so much for being a part of the Bear Necessities thank podcast, you. part of Bear Nation. I enjoyed our conversation and I cannot wait to see the continued growth and success. And we're going to have to get for our listening audience the video will be on YouTube and what we'll do is once Francis gets the logo and gets the tattoo, I will make sure to share <laughs> the new ink to Bear Nation. So Francis, once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much uh, for you, joining Rob. Bear Nation. All right. Until next time, until next week, when I share another awesome episode with another great entrepreneur, stay well, stay well, Bear Nation. Also, is Daniel back there? I know Daniel, the listeners can't hear but Daniel is an amazing dude. Francis, his boyfriend. I know he's got his <laughs> headphones in for those that are watching the show, those that are listening. Um, the dude's a beast. I love him. He's so much fun. <laughs> Francis and Daniel um, are fun. They're a riot to hang out with. So if you ever get a part of the NUMA family and you're in New York, you'll know what I mean. You'll get to party with us sometime <laughs> at a NUMA event. So thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. Bear Nation, once again, thank you for listening to the Bear Necessities of Entrepreneurship. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. And until next time, take care.